Yeah, first-time home buying can be uber confusing. It's like you need a master's degree in the terminology to feel like you actually are making the right decision. So today, we're going to continue your first-time home buyer education with terms and definitions for the letter I, as in, I know you can do this. Let's go. What is the hippity haps, my how to buy a homies? Now, I'm recording this episode today near the end of June 2022. So to all you people listening in the future, remember how freaked out everybody was this summer? Yeah, remember that? Damn. (laughs) This entire week of news has led with the economy, and that is usually not a good thing. Not because bad economic news is always bad for you. You know, I've said it before, thanks to my friends at Run DMC. It's not bad meaning bad, it's bad meaning good. Yes, thank you, Run. So listen to 108 if you want details on what's going on with all the bad stuff in the economy and how it might be good for you. But today we're going to have a nice little education lesson. Today we're going to dive right into the terms and definitions for the letter I. Let's move on to the next I's. We're going to go into inspection certificate. Now, an inspection certificate is a document that verifies a property as inspected and completed for whatever are the individual rules and guidelines for individual cities and counties. Inspection is usually performed by a designated agent of the county, and it has to be accepted and put in before the transfer of the property can happen. Now, this doesn't happen everywhere, and sometimes the inspection report is purely a buyer beware and something to be used to negotiate for any changes and upkeeps that the buyer didn't see as obvious when they put the offer in on the house. One thing I have to explain to my buyers all the time is that depending on what state you live in, if you don't have an inspection certificate that's part of your home purchase process, the buyer isn't obligated to bring anything up to code. Let me say that again. The buyer is not obligated to bring anything up to code if you don't have an inspection certificate in most parts of the country. This is a huge common myth. In California, most cities don't need an inspection certificate. So to transfer the ownership of the property in one of the biggest states in the country, all sales are as is and it's buyer beware. In fact, the seller only has to do three things. They have to install a carbon monoxide detector, They have to install smoke detectors, and they have to make sure the water heater is earthquake strapped. That's it. That's all that the sellers are obligated to do. So don't go in thinking that after the inspection, they're going to have to bring everything up to code. The inspection is for your benefit to understand what things need to be done on the property. That's it. Next on the eyes is an income property. Income property is real estate developed or purchased to produce income, such as a rental unit. Next, we're going to get into some fancy math terms, index. Now, the index, that's a benchmark interest rate that reflects general market conditions. That index, it's going to change based on the market. Changes in the index along with your loan margin determine the changes to your interest rate if you're using an ARM adjustable rate mortgage. So the index is a published number or percentage, such as an average interest rate or a yield on U.S. Treasury bills. And a margin 
is added to the index to determine the interest rate that will be charged on your arm. Do you understand that? Cool. If you didn't, don't even think about getting an adjustable rate mortgage. Don't touch an arm if you don't know what the index and the margin and how they combine to make your interest rate means. End of daddy lesson. Next I is an IRA. Now that's an individual retirement account. This is a tax deferred plan that can help you build your retirement. And when it comes to buying a home, I mention IRAs because as of today, tax laws could change in the next, you know, 20 seconds if they feel like it. You can use your IRA for purchasing your home. $10,000 is the maximum that you can use towards a principal, primary principal purchase. That's what we call it. Our next I is inflation. If you listen to the current episodes. I talked about inflation a lot, but if you're looking for kind of a detailed analysis, it's all the way back on episode 67. Some of that stuff will have changed, uh, mostly just the rate of the inflation, but the general concept is all there. Just for your knowledge, if you want the Google definition on inflation, one of the economic nerd definitions is that it's the number of dollars in circulation when it exceeds the amount of goods and services available for purchasing, causing the prices of those goods and services to increase. Inflation results in a decrease in the value of the dollar. There you go. Now you know. The next one is the initial escrow deposit. Now, sometimes this is called the earnest money deposit, the EMD, and that's the money that you're going to put in to open up your contract. And another initial that we have is the initial interest rate. Now, this is the first rate that you get when you're doing a adjustable rate mortgage. That's the arm. And so sometimes this is known as the start rate. So what do you need to know about the initial interest rate of an adjustable mortgage? It adjusts. The initial adjustment cap is our next I, and that is associated with these arms. The cap determines how much the interest rate can increase the first time it adjusts after the first period. So it's very common for this cap to be either 2 or 5%, meaning that at the first rate change, the rate can't be more than 2 or 5 percentage points higher than the initial fixed rate. So that's way if you get something at 3% today and all of a sudden rates go up to 15, you can't go higher than 5 or maybe 10%. This is a word we hear a lot when we're talking about credit scores. It's a request for your credit report by a lender or another business. Of course, that happens when you're filling out an application to request more credit. As you know, hopefully, too many inquiries on a credit report can hurt your credit score. However, I will say again, two things about inquiries. Number one, you can do as many as you want if you're doing automotive or mortgage within anywhere from three to six weeks, depending on who you talk to. So that means you could shop around and shop lenders and only get one inquiry hit. And the other thing about inquiries is I have never seen someone pull their credit a year before buying a home and that be the reason they couldn't buy a home. I have seen people say, I don't want to pull my credit. I can't do an inquiry. And they wait until they're ready to buy a home and then they pull their credit before they buy a home and something in there causes them not to buy the home. So the moral of the story is don't wait to pull your credit and get the inquiry. Get it done early. It's a few points. And especially if you do it 12 months early, you've got nothing but time to jack it back up. The next I is an installment. Now, this is the regular periodic payment 
that a borrower pays to a lender, and they're used in the next die, installment debt. This is important to understand for your credit score. This is a loan that's repaid in accordance with the schedule of payments for a specified term, and it has an end date, like an auto loan, right? These are much less of a hit on your credit score than your revolving credit lines. Because if you go out and you just go shopping on your Visa or your MasterCard, it can stay there forever and ever and ever and ever, and it doesn't have an end date. So you get a bigger hit on your credit score. And in episode, I think, 56, I talked about the potential of using an installment loan, using installment debt versus revolving debt to pump your credit score up. The next I is interest. That's the cost that you pay to borrow money. All right. It's the payment that you make to the lender, whoever the lender is, for the money that's loaned to you. And of course, that goes through our next I, the interest rate, the amount of interest charged on a monthly loan payment. And it's usually expressed as a percentage. It's the cost that you're going to pay each year to borrow the money. And it does not reflect any fees or any other charges that you have to pay for the loan. So in a real simple example, on $100,000, if you have an interest rate of 5%, you've agreed to pay $5,000 each year that you borrow that amount. The next interest is an interest-only loan. Now, this falls under the categories of the arms as this is a loan you best know what you're doing if you're going to get into it. It has scheduled payments that require you to only pay the interest for a specified amount of time. Sometimes these are called an IO. And of course, because you're just paying the interest, they're a lot lower than anybody who's paying interest in principle. I totally recommend this should only be used by savvy buyers who can handle things if the market changes and if your plans change, because if you need to stay in that property because of a highly inflated new payment once that IO period ends then you have to be ready to handle it. Not to mention a lot of these IOs actually will end with a balloon payment where you got to pay everything. So the moral of the story is don't touch arms, don't touch IOs unless you know what you're doing. And a couple more definitions that go with the arms, the interest rate cap or the interest rate ceiling, you're going to hear that and you're going to hear the interest rate floor. So the cap or the ceiling for an arm, that's a limitation on the amount the interest rate can change per the adjustment over the lifetime of the loan. And that will be stated in what they call your note, which is your original loan agreement. And it also will have a floor. No, don't think they're going to let you, you know, oh, everything dropped. I should be able to go to nothing. Nope. You're going to have a minimum interest rate as specified in the note as well. And Something that people have been asking me a lot about recently, this eye is investment property. Ooh, investments. People get so excited about making money and building an empire. What's the Google definition? It's a property purchased to generate rental income, tax benefits, or profitable resale rather than to serve as the borrower's primary residence. Now, if you are seeking to buy an investment property before your primary residence, which a lot of people ask me about, I have a few things to ask you. Okay, first of all, are you savvy enough to predict the equity appreciation on that investment and understand that this is a smarter move for you than replacing your rent with your own primary investment that you would actually live in? Okay, the next question I have is, have you included maintenance, property management, or vacancy rates into your calculations? All of that is being part of a property owner, being a landlord, right? Right now, I'm seeing a fascination 
with people reaching out to me to listen to the podcast, people who want to buy an Airbnb first before they purchase their own home. So I just want to make sure I ask all these people, have you taken into account all of this? And most importantly, have you done the math on buying an investment home first before you buy your own primary residence? I would say use the same math that I tell people on rent versus buy. Is it better for me to buy or rent? You have to take that calculation and put that into the equation if you're thinking about buying an investment property first as well. See, for instance, if you cover all the costs that I just mentioned in an investment property before you purchase the home and replace your own rent, okay, so let's say that you can cover all of those things. You know, the maintenance, the property management, and the vacancy raising. You're a genius, and you found a great deal, and you're going to gross $1,000 profit on a $2,000 mortgage on an investment, okay? So what that is, is you went out and you bought a $350,000 home for 20% down. That's $70,000 investment plus $15,000 in closing costs. So your full PITI is about $2,000, right? And now you're going to have that home, but it has to rent at $3,000 a month for you to gross $1,000 in profit. Now, if you take into account the things that I mentioned, the maintenance of property management, the vacancy rates, vacancy rates, you're going to net about $500 a month profit. Okay. That's $6,000 a year profit from an $85,000 investment. That's a pretty damn good return. And I understand that. Okay. Except here's the thing. You're still paying rent every month. So I honestly don't see how adding up rent money that you're throwing away, which could be $2,000 a month or $24,000 a year, is it the right call to not address that just so you can make a $6,000 profit, even if you now have to resave up your own down payment for your house? How many years will it take you to do that to replace your rent with an appreciating asset? while we're in an upward trending market with rising rates. So the longer you wait, the more expensive that's going to get. I could get a little bit more into that, but hopefully that makes sense to you and that information should suffice. So I ask you this, if you understand all of that, do you still think that buying an investment home before you purchase your own home is a good idea? Who knows? Maybe you have some different factors. Maybe you're living at home for free or maybe you're doing buying an investment property first while you live van life for four years. I don't know. But in general, for most folks, I don't really see it's a good idea for you if you've never purchased a home before in your life to decide that you're going to first purchase as an investor. (laughs) Mathematically, it doesn't make sense, but philosophically, it can just be rough for that to be your first home. Maybe it's better for you to go through the taking care of your own house first. At least I believe that's a good idea. And speaking of good ideas, howtobuyahome.com has everything you ever need to get loads of free advice and guidance from, you know, me, a realtor with actual experience helping first-time buyers, not just a badass TikTok account. Although mine's, you know, doing all right. If you go to howtobuyahome.com, you're going to find links to the podcast, the YouTube page, the Instagram, the TikTok, and soon, or, you know, if you're listening to this past the summer of 2022, it's probably there now. We're just starting to get together due to the overwhelming response of people feeling, well, overwhelmed. We're going to be launching the How to Buy a Home Starter Kit on howtobuyahome.com because after three and a quarter years of doing this podcast, your number one question from the listener is, where do I start? Okay, bam, How to Buy a Home Starter Kit on howtobuyahome.com. 
Help the podcast out if you can with five stars. Take 94 seconds and type me a review. That seems to be the only way people know that I am actually legit. So that is the letter I. And I am going to leave you with one more thought. You can do this.